life and play on us while we talk about the stuff that matters and the stuff that doesn't. Hey guys, um, welcome back to another episode. If you're new here, I am Ailish. I'm Bella. And I'm Nicolette. Nicolette isn't here with us. She's on Zoom. So if there's a delay or any weird audio, we are trying our best here. So for my topic, um, and it's kind of a mishmash of a couple of things that I want to talk about, but it's all under one theme of the importance of diversity and representation in the arts and the media, like movies and stuff. So basically, I got the idea for this because the cast for the Australian production of Hamilton um, was just announced and it's a talented and it's a really diverse cast, which is a really great thing. So Rashna Farooq wrote a junkie article. Of course, I quote another junkie article. Um, They're she, amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she put what I was kind of thinking really well. She said, it proves what a lot of people have known for a long time, that Black Indigenous people of colour talent exists in Australia, but has been sidelined and ignored for too long. The guy who's actually playing Alexander Hamilton, which is the lead, is actually from Rockingham. So That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> That's really Represent. Cool. I think he's originally from South Africa. Rockingham is the home of the swinging pig. Yeah. <laughs> you guys heard of that pub? Yes. Yeah. Is that where he gave out free drinks? They gave out free drinks with Mark. Yes. Like Mark McGowan. Yeah. Tell me away from Love it. But yeah, in the um, junkie article, they had some good stats that I just wanted to point out. So um, Rashna wrote that Diversity Arts Australia found in 2019 that the leaders of Australia's cultural institutions, such as museums and theatre companies, were overwhelmingly white. It also found that of the 95 productions by Australia's top 10 theatre companies, only four were written and directed by people of colour, which is pretty bad considering it's 2019. And, like, the arts, basically, whole industry is, like, dominated by white people still. So, I guess casting a diverse cast, cast, casting a cast, yeah. But uh, (laughs) such a huge production, like Hamilton, um, which was huge in America, kind of shows that there really is no excuse to not have a diverse cast because it's, like, the the talent is out there if you're willing to to look for it. Yeah, exactly. I was really excited. I'm actually really excited and I really want to see it. I didn't haven't watched the actual Hamilton play on Disney Plus that was fully raved about in the storyline, but I think I'm really more drawn to watch it now that it has this diverse cast, and I'd actually love to get the opinion of someone that is a person of color, like of what their opinion is on this representation. Like, not only is it going to start ha- like that, it is happening in the Australian production, but will we see it on our TV shows? Like that we watch all the time and on Australian TV, that would be really great on it. Even on our news sites to see representation and diversity and more thing would, would be awesome. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing about the original U S production of Hamilton, Lin-Manuel Miranda, guy who wrote and directed it and actually starred in it. He only um, put out casting call outs for people of color to start in Hamilton. So all the U S founding fathers in the Hamilton musical were played by people of colour, which I thought was pretty cool. That is oh, that's wicked. Considering they were all like... I think it makes it more interesting as well when you've got that culture, you know, represented. Um, I remember, vaguely remember an article coming out. I think it was Pedestrian TV. And it was when The Bachelorette was like announced that when it was announced for The Bachelorette that Ellie and her sister were going to be, you know, the new Bachelorette girls. And I remember people just being like, well, this was their one opportunity to, you know, 
let someone of colour and a different race, you know, be represented, but they just miss that opportunity. And I feel like that 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 is such a missed opportunity in so many reality TV shows as well. No, mm. I agree. I remember seeing heaps of people saying that as well because instead of like stepping up and choosing a person of colour, they literally just chose two sisters who were white and you're like, ah, oh, this is not what we wanted, but okay. White, blonde and tanned. Literally, <laughs> Classic <like that>. stereotype. <laughs> But yeah, actually, I'll leave another um, piece that I wanted to reference in the show notes as well for everyone to read. It was an opinion piece on Pitt News, I think it was American, um, from earlier this year, where the Indian American writer kind of wrote about her experiences with seeing a lot of... Mindy Carling. Huh? I'm pretty sure it was Mindy Carling's... Was it Mindy Carling that wrote that show on Never Have I Ever? I think it was called Never Have I Ever. Yeah, um, what it's about, yeah. Oh, my God, great show. Loved the main character and I loved her because of what she represented. I, I was really drawn to the show and I couldn't stop watching it. Like, she made the show, 100%. This, um, this chick, the writer, is an Indian-American and she was saying, like, it was so good to see a Southeast Asian girl as a South Asian girl, sorry, play a lead like character in the show. And she said that representation matters because it can shape how my minorities are viewed by society and how they view themselves. And she was like, it's so cool to see myself on the screen. And it's like, it must be so good for kids to be able to see themselves on the screen in like a hit Netflix TV show. Yeah. On that note, I remember when um, my big fat Greek wedding came out and I was like, oh my God, this movie is literally my life. Like, you know, represented everything, everything like Greek and wog in my life. <laughs> and it was cool because people of that culture as well can you know like resonate resonate with what's going on so definitely think it was and I think just to wrap it up that it's representation and diversity is something that we should be seeing on our tvs for a long time and now that we're moving towards it it's great um but we need to keep doing it and we need to stick to it and work with it yeah, we still have so far to go. Mm. Like it, it's like the stats I read before, like it's 2019 and we're still kind of having like firsts with representation and it's, it's pretty bad, but baby steps, hopefully we'll make some progress. So my topic this week is the former Australian netball coach, Lisa Alexander, misses out on North Melbourne AFL head coaching role. So I originally read this on the ABC, but it was reported on on so many news sites. It was on news.com.au, it was on The Guardian, it was on The West Australian, it was on The Age, and pretty much every news site in Australia. Um, For those that don't know Lisa Alexander, she is an amazing coach and did amazing things for Australian sport, not only for women, but you know, um, she, you know, she was a World Cup winning coach. So for anyone that's into sport, that's an amazing accomplishment. So she actually went for the North Melbourne head coach um, after their coach left, Free sure. So um, she went for it. And I just thought when I first heard that news, how amazing it was as a young girl who, you know, yeah, I grew up playing sport like netball and I always had female coaches. I remember being when I used to play Auskick and I was actually really lucky um, in my home, in the town that I come from, there was a woman, her name's Michelle Harris, and she was a, she was a coach for, cool. for male, um, for the boys, you know, she coached Colts teams and took them to grand finals. And now, you know, she was coaching, I'm not sure if she's coached a men's side, but, you know, she co- coached a, a really good, like young boys side. And I think she's been assistant coaching and, 
I actually think today she got a job as the female coach in where we're all from. Um, so it was really admiring to see someone like her doing a job that was so, I guess, male. Yeah. Male dominated. Everyone, like, you know, when you do look at AFL, you do see all male coaches and, um, you know, even with AFLW, a lot of the coaches as well are male and there's nothing wrong with that. I think they're all amazing coaches. They know what they're doing. But when I saw that Lisa Alexander went for this job, oh my gosh, I was in, I was speechless. I was like, wow, what a woman. Like to actually go and do that is so incredible. And yeah, she didn't get it. And she actually talks about that, you know, she was told that, you know, they actually wanted someone who has been a senior coach before and probably someone that has experience in AFL and, you know, you do see that side that, you know, if you're going to be a coach of something, yeah, you probably have experience in it. But I also see that other side of this, this woman can bring something that is so amazing. You know, she's won world cups in netball, you know, and netball is not an easy sport. People think that it's an easy. Oh, no, we tried to play it. It It is is not not easy. It is not easy. And I think, you know, um, yeah. But I, I also feel like, um, like Ailish was saying, you know, it's 2020 and we're only just getting to these first. Well, this is another example. Like, here's a prime opportunity to change something, you know, to have a female coach. Like, why not? Why not just give her the chance? She's, she's had experience in other sports. Okay, they're different sports. But, you know, just because she doesn't have a willy and some balls, like, doesn't mean she can't coach. <laughs> Actually, that's a fair point. Not in that exact face. It's true, though. <laughs> One of the articles you sent to us, um, Bella, they quoted her saying, I, yeah, I think it was the one from The Guardian by yeah. Casey Simmons. Um, they quoted her saying that, uh, like, when, when people were saying you don't have the right experience, in air quotes, she was saying, well, you wouldn't say to, like, a CEO of BHB Billiton if he wanted to change and go to, like, I don't know, a different company, they wouldn't say, well, start from a bottom role and work your way back up. Like he could easily go and be a CEO somewhere else. Yeah. And obviously some people won't agree with that. And I know nothing about sport, but I just thought that was a really interesting argument to make. Yeah. I think what Casey was saying in her article in the Guardian that like, you know, this debate over if we keep shutting doors to female coaches seeking to enter these male sports, uh, are they ever going to let a female in? And, you know, and I think, deep down the North Melbourne team know that I reckon, I reckon there would have been people there that wanted her. I definitely do. And I reckon the players would have a hundred percent respected her and, you know, she would have grown and like all coaches, like, like all great coaches, you've got to start somewhere. And, you know, there are coaches in, have been in the AFL that haven't played AFL and have gone on to done amazing things. So who's to say that someone that's been an elite coach coach in another sport can't do that same thing? And, you know, I think, you know... But also she could bring... She might not have the experience, but she can bring something new, something fresh. And I feel like that's a good thing sometimes. And that's what these sporting clubs need at times. Every company needs it. Everybody needs a refresher every now and then. That's true. And it's not like she's someone who has, like, no experience at all. Like, she... You were saying, it's not like she's a bar staff. <laughs> she's an elite coach. Like she knows how to, how to um, have a good team. But yeah, Bella has some great um, articles. If you want to read up on this, we'll link a bunch of them in the show notes. I really recommend reading the Guardian one because as someone who isn't really like across what's going on in the sport world, I read that and I was like, I, like, I understand this. And it's just, it's a really, really good read um, about the topic. 
Yeah, and I think something that's really interesting is what was in the AFL, was in, sorry, was in the ABC article is that she was in charge of the Australian Diamonds netball team in 101 tests with an 81% success rate. And yes, you know, she was looking in, she actually is going to look into being an assistant coach. And, you know, if I was an AFL team, I'd be putting my hand right up because she did amazing things. And I just think, yeah, she could definitely take them somewhere. I guess we'll see where she goes then. I think it's so good though, even like you were saying before, Bella, just to see her putting her hat in the ring, knowing that she has yeah. the experience. Like for young girls who are like, I want to coach an AFL team, that would be so reassuring to mm. see. I think that's another thing to come out of this, despite despite it. I think just to see a female doing that is like, oh my gosh, yes, I can do that. And for yeah, for young girls that are playing a growing up who are lucky enough playing a AFLW now, like when I was growing up, we didn't have teams and I would have loved to. I remember when we started playing it when I was in high school and it was so much fun and you get these opportunities and like the fact that they have the, the AFL women's side now is incredible. It's an awesome opportunity. But those girls that are in those roles and then who might not want to play and enjoy coaching and, and leadership can now be like, well, I can, I can work on this. I can build this and I can be a coach of an AFL elite team. Yeah, it's good that they can have someone to look up to. I came across this article the other day. Um, it's called, it's on the Sydney Morning Herald called Leaving the Land of the Romantic Fantasy, Why I Chose to Be a Single Mum. So it's based around the whole single women using donor sperm to have children um, being one of the fastest growing segments of the assisted re reproduction business. I guess why this was of interest to me um, was because I recently had a chat to my mum. She was like, oh, this lady at work um, announced she's pregnant the other week. And I was like, oh, really? That's great news. And she's like, yeah, but do you want to know something really weird? And I was like, what's that? She was like, she's not married. She doesn't have a partner. She's, she, and I was like, oh, how is she, what, like, is she adopting? Like, what, what's the go? not adopting obviously she's pregnant um and then she was just like she's um she's using donor sperm and I was just like oh that's cool she's like no like that that's so weird like you shouldn't bring a, a child into the world like that blah 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 and I just think like it's again like classic that generation having this like weird you know backwards thinking that mums can't do it or women can't do mothering on their own and I don't know it was just of interest to me and something I wanted to talk about um this article is really interesting. Um, so basically this lady's talking about how when she reached the age of about 35, she'd been with this guy for about seven years um, and they just wanted different things. And she was like, you know, 35 sort of the time where like, that's your cutoff, you know, um, you've, you've got to decide, like if you want to have kids, you sort of need to have them by that time. So she decided she wanted to go down the path of IVF. And I feel like there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, and it's just something I wanted to talk about with you guys, opinions on the, whole concept I thought it was really interesting I read the um the whole personal essay and yeah I thought obviously like it's not something that's really openly talked about unless it's something that you're looking into personally and yeah the whole the whole, we'll link the um the essay in the show notes because it's definitely worth a read and it's just so interesting to see like the whole thought process that um she went through in this and one quote that I really liked from that is one part where she says that having a partner is no guarantee of lifelong happiness. And she was like, she wrote that she realized she kind of reached a point where like she realized if she kind of rushed a relationship with some guy just to, you know, get pregnant and have a baby, like they'll have 18 years of raising that kid together. And she was like, mm, do I want that? Like, why not just do it myself? And I was like, hell yeah. Like if that's what you want, go for it. I am. I think 
IVF is one of the most amazing things that human beings have ever like created. I just think it's so amazing. It gives women that want to have children the opportunity to have children if they don't have a partner or if they do have a partner and they're having trouble getting pregnant yeah. or things like that. Like, you know, and there's plenty of women out there that, have you know realized okay I want a baby and then gone to you know try with their partner or other ways and then realize that they can't and then to have that option of IVF is just so incredible and you know the fact that this woman decided no I want to do it and I want to I'm going to be that I'm going to be a mum to someone I don't I don't need anyone else I just need me I think it's really amazing yeah no I think it's really cool that women have that opportunity as well to um you know to go out on their own and do their own thing i mean as well you have to look at how relationships in the last like 30 40 50 years have developed you know um there's not always that stability that there used to be and i feel like i don't know women are just so independent we can do this on our own no i feel that and i feel like there's like been such a change in the way that we see relationships as like an institution as well like i feel like you know, obviously when our parents were growing up, like you get married young, you have, you pop out babies as soon as you can, you raise the kids and then you kind of like figure out your life afterwards. Whereas with us, it's like, well, what if I don't want to get married? Like, what if I don't believe in marriage? What if like, I just don't want to have kids ever? Like, what if I want to stay single? What if I want to raise a kid by myself? Like there's just so many options for people. And I feel like that's such a great thing. And like you were saying about all the, the health um, options, that kind of IVF, presents to people as well like if you're struggling to get pregnant or stuff like that like there's just so many so many good things that we can we can do now and it's just the, the freedom of choice I guess is what I'm trying to say is like we have so much choice um, and we're so lucky and so privileged to have this choice but it's just it's such a great thing that we we can we can exercise that choice it's just meant that our lives have changed as well like the habits like you know, like you said you used to in the olden days you know get married have kids and that was your life now I, i'm 26 i've only just started my full-time job and career like who knows when i'll be wanting to have kids like it's it's definitely not in the next five years you know and that'll make me 30 then what happens so i guess there's all those options that you need to weigh up yeah and i guess it's also like the reminder that that's okay. Like we were chatting the other day and you were saying like your life path isn't linear. Yeah, everyone's different. And I think, you know, there mm. are women that have kids at 40 and they are the happiest people. And there are people that have kids accidentally and there's kids, people that have, you know, yeah, there's people that have kids when they're 16, 18 years old and they wouldn't change it for the world. But I just think the most important thing of all of this is choice and everyone does, deserves to have a choice in everything. And yeah. So we'll hit you guys with our recommendations now because they're clearly the best part of any podcast. So Nicolette, hit me. What are you recommending? What are you taking a break with? Okay. So my recommendation that I'm taking a break with is a guilty pleasure of mine. It's Kylie Minogue's new album, Disco. Yeah. <laughs> I am just loving this album. <laughs> I feel like she's just got such good music and this album just confirms like she just continues to produce good, good bangers. You know, you can put it on, take a break, have a little bit of a jam, big bit of a boogie in your room and life is all good. What uh, my favourite song on there is probably Say Something, which is the one that's on the radio heaps at the moment. Um, but yeah, it, it's all just kind of like upbeat, funky, fun music and I just love it. Cute. I'll have to listen to it because I actually haven't listened to Kylie Minogue in a, a very long time. No, it's so weird though because I'm, 
um, Rage was on because, you know, I still listen to Rage. <laughs> and do you remember that song? I don't know. It was like, Can't Get You Out of My Head. Yes. Yes, I love that. Can't Get You Out of My Head. Anyway. <laughs> that, then we'll Just so many good ones. And then there's like, I'm spinning around. Yeah. Anyway, we won't sing because, like, that's what the radio is for. But um, <laughs> Kylie Minogue's new album, check it out. Have a listen. Have a boogie in your room. It's a good time. Yeah. So my recommendation is actually a bit more like serious and not really something you take a break with, but I just thought it was an interesting read. I only read it today, um, but it just reminded me of something we were talking about this morning, Nicolette. So it's an article by Gemma Bath from Mamma Mia. And it's basically a group, like a bunch of different women um, share the first time that they noticed that men were looking at them sexually. And like, it is a bit of a confronting read because you read it and you're kind of like, I've lived this experience. I've lived this experience. Like being a woman fucking sucks. But then there's also kind of like a sense of solidarity with it. And like, you can reclaim your sensuality and like the sisterhood, that type of thing. But it, yeah, I just wanted to recommend it because I just thought it was an interesting read and because it was literally came up and I was like, we're talking about this. When I, when I saw your recommendation for this, I just got triggered by today's events. It just is so frustrating. Like you can't even go somewhere. You can't even go to, you know, I'm going to a job store, like a pick story, a job that I have to do. Um, and these guys are just staring at me where, while I'm wearing like my pink linen suit, bright pink standing out in the crowd. It's just, an un- <laughs> it's just an uncomfortable feeling, you know? And I feel like being sexualized, it's just, nah. And it is like, it's not a nice feeling that everyone's kind of lived the same thing. So I kind of have like a, a B section in my recommendation. If you want something happy after reading the depressing, sad, but interesting article, um, the shameless slash Bumble podcast, love, etc., is back and it's fucking phenomenal. You should listen to it. <laughs> they interview like different women for the kind of like love related stories. And the first episode of season three is about um, like terrible breakups and it's just, it's a good one. I was listening and I was like, oh my God. So listen to that if you want to pick yourself back up after um, reading something sad. So my recommendation is a podcast that I found this week. And I actually went out and bought a book after literally listening to one podcast. I went from work to Kmart and like beeline straight there. And I like <laughs> went to the book aisle. But it is Seize the Yay by, um, on Instagram, she is Spoonful of Sarah. So she was a lawyer and then turned into what she calls herself a entrepreneur. So she um, founded Matcha Maiden and her story is amazing, but her podcast, she interviews people and it talks about how they seize their yay or how they came to seize their yay, but it's not based on all the positives. It um, also talks a lot about how people really hit rock bottom and then found a way to seize their yay and that you can still have a nay day but yeah it it actually enlightened me so much and I cried a lot as well in one of them particularly yeah I literally I want to read the book now you have literally sold that to me (laughs) oh I'm so excited I've only read like four pages but it was amazing (laughs) I listened to the one with what's name Elle Halliwell that you recommended with her cancer journey and being pregnant at the same time I listened to it on my run today and I literally ran the whole 5k straight just because I was like oh my God, like this is an amazing life story. It's an incredible story. And yeah, I think for anyone that is unsure or has been thinking about taking a leap into something, my gosh, you will listen to this podcast and be like, okay, okay, I get it. I'll take the leap. Yeah. Twist my arm. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, I feel like that wraps up the podcast on like a nice uplifting note. <laughs> so thank you so much for tuning in again, everyone. Um, we'll have all of our recommendations and all the articles that we've referenced in the show notes for you to browse. Sorry about the delay in audio <laughs> from me. Yeah. Look, we really tried our best. We're, you know, managing with the interweb, but we'll be back in your ears again next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.